Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. And today we're going to be joined by Dr. James Lee from Boston. He's going to talk all about being a part of the ADA New Dentist Committee, how he kind of got involved in that position from starting with his local Massachusetts Dental Association. And then we also talk about some of his advice for dental students. And I think that's kind of a really motivational part of this episode, so I'm really looking forward to you all being able to hear this today. But first, we'll just do a quick little intro catching you up on my past week. So for me, I had a cariology lab practical, and then I also had two exams, one in clinical foundations and one in dental anatomy, which was our final for that class. So that class this semester is solely graded on that written final and then our two wax-ups, which we don't have the grades back yet for the wax-ups, but if you've been listening to the past few episodes, intros, you would know that I was struggling a bit with the wax-ups. I turned them in already, so hopefully they were good enough to pass and I can be done with that class, but we'll see. We're getting close to being done with in-person activity, so it's the first right now, and then on the 13th is our last day of sim lab practice. And since I do need to remediate the restoration for our class ones, I'll be doing that on November 16th. And after that, as long as that goes well, we're done with in-person. So not going into the school, no more sim lab for the rest of the semester. But we do have finals until December 17th. So I'll still be in full swing of my academic course load. But I won't be going into dental school and doing hands-on work anymore. We did have our practical last week for the class ones. And so far we have one of those grades back for the restoration and I did pass that. So that is awesome. And last week was probably the best week of SimLab yet because we started doing our caries removal projects. So we're drilling on real extracted teeth that are pretty bombed out because they were extracted, but they have some pretty intense caries on there that we get to remove and then we do it in it's a phase one and phase two and we get both of those signed off and then we're also learning how to place sealants and liners so this is a really cool phase of sim lab where we're actually one working on real teeth because they feel very different than the type of fake teeth that we've been using And it's really cool that we're getting to do sealants and something that we're going to be doing in clinic probably a lot. So I'm really enjoying just the realness of what we're doing right now. And again, with the preps and restorations on the type and on teeth for our practicals, all of those grades are graded on an external outline of an ideal preparation, but when you're removing caries on an actual patient, you're only removing what's actually there. You're not trying to make this perfect shape that I've been showing in my videos and everything. So it was cool to get to see on these human teeth what kind of, let's say you have something on an occlusal surface of a molar and you're kind of doing a class one with this caries removal, but it doesn't look anything like the class ones that we were doing practicing in sim lab. So it's really interesting to just kind of get a more realistic look at caries removal. I think that's really all the school updates for now, though. Um, Just the motivation this week, I'm just going to give a little preview for this episode, kind of motivation that stuck out to me from Dr. Lee. is just that Yes, you want to do as well in school as possible. Do not get me wrong. But something that's so worth trying to develop and something to prioritize is your communication skills. So motivation this week is to make sure you're involved in something if you're in your pre-dental stage or even in dental school that is going to be helping improve your communication skills for your patients, for your colleagues, because that's just really invaluable experience, honestly. So That is my motivation and encouragement for this week, and now we will get into the episode with Dr. James Lee. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. So today we do have another guest and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Hi, uh, my name is Dr. James Lee from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a general dentist. I've been practicing for seven years now, and I serve as the ADA New Dentist Committee District 1 representative. And in this role, I have the really cool opportunity to see some of the really exciting things that new dentists and dental students are doing across the country. And um, I'm excited to be here with you guys today. Thanks. Yeah, I feel like we have so many cool things to talk about. So I'm really happy that you were able to join us. Um, So first, I just want to hit on like the general dentistry aspect of what you do. So could you talk about like why you chose to stick with general dentistry and not specialize? Like what do you like about general dentistry? Sure. Um, In terms of why I chose general dentistry, I'm a second generation dentist. So my father uh, is a general dentist in the Boston area. And uh, for me growing up, I got to see the relationships that he got to build with all his patients. You see little Johnny, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, the whole family. And being a general dentist, you get to kind of see folks uh, throughout that kind of uh, patient care cycle. And also it's a really cool opportunity to kind of be a part of that community where some of the specialties um, I, I love and I, I, in dental school, I really tried to take the opportunity to explore as many as I could. Um, but I love the idea of being kind of like the quarterback for a football analogy. And, and you get the opportunity to um, figure out the, the issues, the problems, and then work together with the specialist as a team member uh, and, and address the patient's need, but really be that point person, uh, that trusted resource for that patient. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one of the main reasons I'm really excited about general dentistry too, is like the relationships and all the families and stuff. I feel like it's so cool. Um, It's super rewarding. uh, On that, I I would say I didn't do a residency. um, So I came out, I went to Boston University for for dental school um, and I came out and practiced right away. But I, I actually sitting now, I sit on the other side of the table in terms of hiring associates and I, I actually do tell the, the students that I mentor and I work with that I actually do recommend um, doing a, if you're interested in general dentistry, a GPR or an AEGD program, because I do think it makes you more competitive. Um, it allows you to have a more uh, wide range of clinical experiences beyond dental school. Um, but in my case, I had a structured mentorship, right? And I think for folks who either have a dentist that they knew growing up, or um, they, they know someone or have a family member, I think it's uh, it can be helpful, but I, I do think that if you don't, I, I do think that there's real value in doing a residency. Yeah, I definitely, as I'm doing these podcasts, people bring them up all the time or people, <laughs> young dentists, like just are finishing them up and stuff. So it's cool to learn more about like how they're so beneficial. And it seems like it's really kind of becoming the norm for new grads to do some type of general dentistry residency. So I think this only seems like it'd be beneficial. I don't really see any downsides to it because you're still getting like a living stipend and everything. So, yeah, I, I think, and especially in this post, like this COVID time or, and we get to a post COVID time, 
I think you've I've listened in your podcast that you described how there's modifications to the dental education um, already. I think the clinical experiences also are being modified, and I think it really is to the benefit of you know graduate young young dentists, new dentists who are graduating to do um, some type of residency or some type of specialty um, just to get more clinical experiences uh, before they come out. If, if they, if that's something that they're interested in, I, it's interesting though. I, I hate to be one of those that do, as I say, not as, as I did. Um, but I, I really took the effort once I graduated to spend a lot of my time and money taking a lot of CE on implants, on, um, or pathology, things like that, that I was, that I needed to shore up my clinical education in. And so if you, if you don't spend the time, Right when you graduate, you're going to spend time and money doing it, you know, as you're working. Yeah. And like you said, it makes you more competitive for finding a good job if you have that experience. So that makes a lot of sense. When you were mentioning that you like are on the hiring end for associates, what's your practice structure like? Do you guys have multiple offices or just like one sounds like a bigger office if there's you so and like we, associates? Okay. So it's, uh, we have two offices. Um, okay. Uh, one right north of Boston and one a little bit west of Boston. And uh, we, there, we're kind of like small, we're, we're, we're small, both are small offices, but there's uh, myself, my father, and we have uh, three other associates. Okay, well, so that is pretty big. Um, so another thing I wanted to talk about, so we can just talk about it now, what, I guess not since you are on the hiring end, what are some factors that are considered when hiring a new dentist? I think the number one is practice philosophy and practice fit. Um, I think there's dentistry. One of the beautiful things about dentistry is that it is a big tent. There's a whole range of ways you can practice, like different practice setting. There's the different structures of how different practices are set up. Um, but in terms of patient care and how you take care of patients, um, how there, there's that philosophy of how you want to treat the patients in our community um, that fit needs to be right. And so I think the, a lot of the, like, I think a lot of times focus, folks focus purely on, oh, like what procedures uh, am I super fast at or what, you know, what things am I interested in? I think that a lot of that will come. And as a new dentist, even I'm, I'm, I'm considered a new dentist, but I've been practicing seven years. I, you do find things that you enjoy and you gravitate towards. Um, but I think that philosophy of how you want to take care of patients, how you want to do dentistry. I think that really needs to be the priority when, when matching with the office. Um, and also, I, I think, is the practice ready uh, for an associate? I think, um, I think that's, a, that's something that some, you know, some of my friends who, when they started out at certain associateships, I think that there needs to be a, a realistic understanding on both sides, both the, the practice owner and the associate in terms of what that looks like moving forward in terms of how is that owner dentist going to help that new dentist grow, build up their patient base and uh, really uh, encourage that new dentist, but also uh, help them with their patients. I, I think that, I think there's, there's some cases where I see that the older or more experienced mature doctor has trouble letting go. And I think it's super important for them to empower the new dentist uh, and build them up and not just, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, it's a some it's a really important relationship that needs to you need to get right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you mentioning like new dentists and like empowering new dentists is that kind of what got you to be involved as like an ADA rep? Like, how does that position work? What is your yes. role? So 
Yeah. So, so in terms of the um, ADA New Dentist Committee, so it's a national committee uh, of the American Dental Association. Uh, the United States is uh, separated into 17 regions. So I'm the ADA District 1, which is all of New England, the six New England states. And I got involved with that because I really wanted to have a good pulse and a bead on what's happening in our dental industry, and also have an opportunity to give input to our ADA leadership and help affect the changes that I'd like to see. I think um, dentists having a voice uh, in terms of policymaking is important for our future. And I think I, I love, I absolutely love what I do. I think that dentistry continues to be an amazing profession, but it is an amazing profession because of the women and men who have come before us and really put in uh, the work to work with our legislators, work with public health officials uh, to make sure that we are able to take care of our patients, that we aren't overburdened by regulations. There's opportunities to be involved at the local level, at the state level, and at the national level. And for me, I, I started at the local level. So in the Boston area, there's, um, I started out in East Middlesex District, which is uh, an area just a little bit uh, north of Boston. And I uh, got involved as soon as I graduated dental school. I was pretty involved with ASDA in dental school. And then I came out and I started volunteering my time with the local dental society, helping put on CE courses and events for our local dentists. And that's one of the coolest things about being involved with organized dentistry. It's not just about... Um, CE, which you can find anywhere and that's all over the place now, but it's that network, building those relationships, not just with, you know, folks that you can get something out of, but the specialists who you refer to and they refer patients to you, they're actually like trusted resources that you can talk over difficult cases with. And uh, it's, been, it's been really amazing, you know, to be able to grow your practice with the help of other dentists. And it's not a competitive environment it's it's a collaborative environment and I, I think that's that varies for some people but my experience has been that that those dentists who are actively involved in organized dentistry really want young dentists to succeed because we're the future right dental students you guys are the future of our profession and you succeeding and you being able to grow your practice, however, however that looks like whether you want to be an associate whether you want to be a practice owner or anything in between your success means that our profession becomes better. And um, so I got involved at the local level. Then I got involved at the state level with the Massachusetts Dental Society. And I helped out with the insurance council. And I also helped out with the membership council. And it was super cool to be able to help actually shepherd some of our dentists through this pandemic. And it, to me, it was amazing to be a, 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 you know, a seven-year you know, out-of-dental school dentist. And I had you know, dentists who've been practicing longer than I've been alive ask, asking me, you know, James, like, how do we, you know, navigate through this crisis? What's the playbook? And the truth is no one had a playbook for how to reopen, how to um, navigate this new landscape. But because we had organized dentists, we had the ADA, we had our local and state societies, we had super smart people and we have super smart specialists in all the different areas who are able to work with our, our state government, our national government, uh, to come up with reopening guidelines that were science-based, did make sense, and were able to get our practices back online so that we could take care of patients. 
Yeah, that's really great to hear that. One, it was so, it's so like collaborative and you really have like an encouraging community that you guys are building up. And that's why it's so important for people like you and incoming dentists to be involved in like their organization. So that's great. Um, the next thing, since you did mention that you were involved in ASDA back in dental school, um, could you talk a little bit about your overall dental school experience, like what you did, things that you think made it positive and are helping you now, if there's any like wisdom you want to pass on? I, I would love to. Uh, I absolutely love ASDA. I think it's an incredible training ground, um, not just for leadership skills, but also that like that re- that relational and networking uh, skill set that the most successful dentists I see are not always the ones that aced every course, every summative or competency or you know lab practical. They're the ones that know how to talk to people, know how to talk to patients, and are great communicators. And and that's a skill set that. You know, I don't think it, I don't see it as like a yes or no or black or white. I think everyone's on a gradient. So those leadership skills, everyone's like in, in a gradient and in a, in a range, those communication skills, uh, those, you know, the clinical skills, it's something that you continue to grow on. And I think you need to have balance. So that's why I think that for me, ASDA was an important building block of having balance. So beyond the clinical clinical stuff with school and exams and academic stuff, ASDA really made sure that I had fun at events and networking, but also the opportunities to be involved with committees, uh, wellness and, and uh, legislative advocacy efforts that, that really set the stage for when I graduated, I had already built those habits of making time for organized dentistry and administrative work outside of clinical work. And that mindset, I think, is something that is necessary to thrive in kind of the new landscape of dentistry. In the past, in, you know, I, I work with my father. I think you could be a dentist on an island, right? Like you just put your head down, practice dentistry for 30 years, and then wake up one day. Um, not really, but, I, but, but the, the, that idea was more prevalent. Now we live in an environment where things are changing rapidly. The regulatory environment is the regulatory protocols, uh, not just addressing COVID, but across the board are increasingly complex. And so you really need trusted advisors. You need a network of folks that you can rely on to get the best information in a timely and accurate manner. And that's why for for me, I, I think that in dental school, I learned those habits of, hey, like it's not just all about studying and it's important. And I hope you crush all your finals and your competencies and all your exams, but making sure that you're still staying uh, updated on staying current and updated on what's going on legislatively in your state that's going to affect dentistry. If there's something that's going to negatively impact my patients and their ability to access care, their ability to um, fund and finance their care, I want to be a part of that conversation. So that that kind of uh, time management and that kind of mentality where, hey, like I need to take block out a little bit of time in my schedule where I'm not just studying, I'm not just watching Netflix, but I'm taking this time to learn about important issues. And so that when my patients, when my classmates, my other colleagues, they look for me for uh, my professional judgment on a public health issue, on a social issue, I can speak intelligently about it. And and I'm so excited for you and, and all the other, other listeners, because when you graduate and you're practicing the community, you're going to be a leader. You're a professional in your community that's respected. And I think we have to earn that respect. We have to be uh, knowledgeable about what's going on uh, in the dental 
industry in the dental community and also the public health uh, arena. And we need to be able to educate our patients and, and help them make better decisions so they can have better overall health. Yeah, I really like what you said. And that's like the idea of trying to be really educated on all different things happening in dentistry. That's like one of the things I was the most excited about coming into dental school is all obviously in your curriculum, you're learning a ton, but there's so many student organizations that have all these really awesome speakers and really awesome people from the community that like are teaching you so much about the field, even outside of your curriculum. So I'm like very eager to be getting involved in everything. So I'm really looking forward to hopefully having in-person meetings and all of that in the coming years. Yes. So. <laughs> I, I think that that's uh, a huge part. Like the learning outside the classroom is just as important in my opinion. And, and it's coming from a student who is not, you know, not amazing in undergrad. So I, I did went to Boston University for, for my undergrad. I was a biology major. And then I, you know, I had a little too much fun in undergrad. So I did a year of master's at the BU Med School, uh, master's in medical science. And then I got into to, uh, dental school the following year. Uh, and again, at, at BU, I'm a Boston native um, and didn't go very far. Uh, but, I, but I do think that in dental school, getting involved and actually taking ownership to regardless of whether it's ASDA or another student group, realizing that you are the dental professional, that you're not just part of the uh, American Student Dental Association, you are the American Student Dental Association. When you graduate as a new dentist, you're not just part of ADA as a, like a club or something that you're a member of. It, it's your organization. So the direction, how it's going to respond to issues, how, how it's going to address um, you know, the public health issues, social issues, that's on us to be part of leadership and have a voice in shaping the organization. So that's why part of what I do is I'm trying to strengthen our, our dental student to new dentist to mature dentist leadership pipeline. I want dental students to be involved early on. I want new dentists to feel like they have the space and the voice within organized dentistry and then beyond organization into the larger community and across our country that we can make the changes that we want to see and we can do a lot of good if we work together and if we have a unified voice. I can do amazing things within the, you know, for my patients in the four walls of my clinic, but I want to see bigger, even better changes beyond my clinic. It's really going to take working together with other dentists, with other allied professionals, our medical colleagues, um, you know, all, all sorts of folks to really solve some of the really tough issues that our society is facing. And so it's hard to go it alone. So that's why I think that being involved, and I'm so excited for you because no matter what you do, building those, that skill set of collaboration in dental school will take you super far when you come out. And I hope you stay engaged when you graduate because it's easy to get overwhelmed as a new dentist. You're figuring out you know, how to navigate a, a, a private practice setting or a public health setting, a community health center, and learning a lot of the, the clinical stuff along with kind of the regulatory stuff. It can be overwhelming, but I, I love that I'm seeing more and more that dental students are really emphasizing having balance in terms of their health and wellness. And I hope that extends over to their professional side where they have balance in terms of, I have to do clinical stuff. I have to know my business stuff, but I also have to take on some leadership to make sure that this profession stays the amazing, the amazing profession that I, that made me want to go to dental school. Yeah, thank you for all that. I really hope that people listening are motivated to just go beyond like 
showing up to dental school nine to five, hopefully they'll be motivated to do more than that, like you said, and go beyond it. Um, the next couple of things I want to talk about are more about just like working in dentistry and everything. But first, um, I do get a lot of questions from people about if they're pre-dental or if they're like teetering between pre-dental and something else. Um, how early did, I guess you, your dad was a dentist, but how early did you decide on dentistry? And do you have any advice for someone that's on the fence if dental school would be right for them? Sure. I, I decided kind of late. So my father was a dentist growing up. And the last thing in the world I wanted to be when I went to college was a dentist. I was a history poli-sci major and I, uh, to begin with, and I tried a bunch of different jobs. I, I did internships at a bunch of different places, trying to get far, as far away from dentistry as, uh, as humanly possible. Um, but it was my sophomore year that I really, uh, I, I came back to dentistry because I, I just saw that it had such an amazing balance of that clinical skill set, which you can really help people with, but also that relational piece um, where you can really build lifelong lasting relationships that benefit the patient. And then are, is also as like a business, it's something that you can have that balance uh, that you can enjoy your lifestyle, but you can also take care of your family. And, and I love the idea of like being a, a person in the community where folks know who you are and know what you, you're all about and they know that you're there for them and they're, you're there to help them. Um, my advice for folks exploring dentistry uh, is that it really takes getting up close and personal. So shadowing, I know it's a difficult time for that with COVID and, uh, and everything going on, but really getting the opportunity to be close to dentistry, visually seeing what it's like day to day is something that's super important. And I think that really uh, informs a lot of the, the students that I mentor is if they're interested in uh, endodontics, I really encourage them to take not just the minimum that the dental school is going to require that you do to rotate through the different specialties, but to really take the extra time uh, to, to spend with endo residents or practicing endodontists. And being a dental student is amazing because um, it's like having a superpower. Folks don't really see you as a threat. So as a practicing dentist, sometimes, you know, another dentist might say like, oh, like, why is, why are they want to come to my office and snoop around? Like, are they trying to sell me something? Are they trying to, you know, what are they trying to do? But as a dental student, uh, everybody loves you and they want to teach you and they think you're, you know, you're so awesome. So they're really going to pull the curtain back and show you the, you know, everything they know, they're going to show you the good and the bad. And I think having that, you know, that same shadowy experience uh, or if you have the time to, to kind of work, if you're, if you're not in dental school yet, if you have the time to make, maybe work in an office, I, I think that that provides a really uh, great opportunity to, to learn whether or not this is something for you. Yeah, another thing when you were talking that I thought of that I get questions about all the time, um, people always want to know like how to behave during shadowing or like what's the norm. And I always say like it's so different, like each dentist might want the shadow to be more like just like in the corner, like quiet, and then other people want the shadow, like asking questions and stuff. Like what is your like pre-dental shadows? What do you like them to be doing if they're there? I, I think that, like you said, it, it really, it depends on the person you're shadowing. I think for the most part, being just professional and respectful uh, is, the, is the number one thing. And I, I think that most folks have a pretty good sense of, of you know, 
when is a is a good time to kind of ask a question or not. Um, I think that it, I would take the lead from the person that you're shadowing. Um, some folks are, are really, like you said, really, really open. They want you to, you know, just ask away. But if you work in certain settings, sometimes the patients are super nervous. And I actually see some, some patients who have pretty significant phobia. So um, if that's the case, I'll kind of give the, the dental student a heads up or the, the pre-dental student a heads up. I'll be like, hey, like this person, um, it, it, they have a little bit more challenging time in the dental office. So they might be stressed out if you ask me like, or, or if I talk you through exactly what's going on. But we'll like, after we're done, you know, we'll talk it over and I'll walk you through kind of why, like, why I did what I did, not just the, the steps, but then the philosophy behind it. You know, it's, it's oftentimes in dental school, we learn, you know, the ABC in order, but sometimes in private practice, you know, sometimes it makes sense to go AC to B for a different reason. And, and that's one of the beauties of dentistry is that there's so much diversity in terms of not just, obviously there's the standard of care and, and we all strive to take amazing care of all of our patients. But within that standard of care, there's a lot of different ways um, to handle cases. And there's different ways that we can um, solve some of the complex problems that come up. And I think that's one of the beauties that uh, dentistry continues to be so exciting and fun for me is that I realize that I don't have to necessarily practice exactly like my father who was trained, you know, more than 33 years ago, right? He's obviously stayed updated with current technology and current practices, but the practice of dentistry evolves and moves forward and is always improving with all the research and all the great um, work that's being done uh, in terms of uh, developing clinical guidelines, clinical practice that much of the ADA kind of supports. And that actually makes it so that when I come to work, it's not the same every day. Even though general dentistry, there's a kind of a standard subset of dentistry that we do it's actually really exciting because each patient's different. Each conversation can be different and each treatment plan can change based on a lot of different factors. Yeah, that also kind of leads into my next thing I was wondering about, especially since you do have a couple offices. What's your like work schedule? Like how many days, which days are you in which office? And like approximately like how many patients do you see each time you go in? It varies. Um, okay. I work currently five days a week. So I work Tuesday through Saturday. And I find that Saturday is my busiest day. So I actually encourage some of my uh, new dentist uh, and dental school uh, graduates that, that I mentor that, that be open-minded about opportunities, especially if you want to stay in a metropolitan area um, or you're, you know, the, the town that you grew up in. It might not look like the Monday through Friday or Monday to Thursday schedule that you had pictured, and it's okay. And sometimes uh, when you're starting out, it might actually be two days at one office, two days at another office, one day at another one, finding the right fit, that practice philosophy fit that I was uh, talking about earlier, early on that I think is super, super important. It's okay to take time, and it's okay if your first job is not the perfect job. Um, just like anything else, you're going to develop and grow even as you're practicing the first few years out and find what it is that you love, what it is that you don't love as much. But I think there's a range in that. And so for me, I have, I spent three days at our, um, at our practice. That's more uh, like a fancier suburb. Uh, and there I do a lot more cosmetic stuff. I do um, kind of more procedures that are, I guess, more 
elective or, or fancier. Um, and then I spent two days at our other practice that's um, in the town that I grew up, that I was born in. That's, um, you know, just your everyday dentistry. A lot of these folks are on state aid. They don't have a lot of resources. And in that, in that practice, it's really, really rewarding to kind of walk with these patients and figure out how to get them to the best oral health that and overall health that we can get them um, navigating, you know, difficult circumstances and really working with them. So it's, for me, it's really exciting to, to see on one hand, I, on some days I'm, I'm, I'm at one practice where it's all, you know, doctors, lawyers, rocket scientists. They're asking me about, you know, what, you know, they're asking about the, the different chemical properties of their composite. And at the other practice, you know, I take out tooth number nine, a front tooth, and they're like, oh yeah, I'm good. I don't need to replace it. And it's such a, a different hat that I get to wear. So it's, it's important for me that I'm able to do both ranges. It's really awesome that you guys were able to set that up where like very different types of patients still really appreciate your care and you're able to serve them well. So that's really great. Yeah. I I think um, my philosophy aligns really closely with my father's that we treat everybody the same, right? I think we like as doctors that comes first, right? And as a dental professional, um, it's about taking great care of the patients and um, figuring out how to do that uh, is something that we we navigate with our colleagues, with our mentors. And I've been really lucky that I've had great mentors. And part of that, those have come through a lot of the networks that I developed in organized dentistry. And that has allowed me to stay current on some of the new technology that's come out, some of the new uh, restorative materials. And so I always want to make sure that even my patients who are having a really difficult financial situation, especially with everything going on in the pandemic, that I'm still doing everything I can and giving them all the options to help them make an informed decision about how to best take care of themselves. Yeah, that's really great. That's Just hearing you talk was very motivating to me. <laughs> I feel like when you hear people talk about something they're so passionate about, it like rubs off on you and you're like, oh yeah, like I'm so excited. And like, it makes you motivated to like keep doing like a class that you hate or something. Like when you were talking about the composite chemicals, I was like, man, I guess my biomaterials class does matter (laughs) as annoying (laughs) as it is to learn, but that's funny. Um, So we are wrapping up. I just have one final question that I like to talk to all the dentists about. And we were talking a lot about balance earlier, but um, how do you think that dentistry fits into like your overall goals for your life? You're obviously very involved in like dentistry and multiple different facets, but how does it allow you to have like a balance in your life? I think that dentistry allows me to have the the balance that I need um, because financially, I'm as a, even as a new dentist, uh, I'm in a a good position where I can take time off and make sure that I'm recharging. I think that as a dental professional, you're going to be pouring yourself out a lot to your patients, and especially if you work uh, at like one of our practices. And um, we see a lot of patients who are in challenging circumstances. And as you really walk with these patients and you're, you're uh, walking alongside them through these difficult times, it can be really draining. And I think it's really important that you take time to, to fill yourself up and recharge yourself so that you continue to be able to do the best dentistry and give those patients the the best possible care. Uh, And I think it's important for yourself uh, in terms of uh, having balance and having 
uh, I think the wellness extends not just to physical wellness. I think there's the, the mental health piece, which we've seen really challenged uh, throughout this pandemic. And part of my role uh, at the state level has been you know, checking in on uh, the dentists in my community. Uh, in East Middlesex District, we have um, about 265 dentists in our area where it's a really important to, to ask your colleagues and, and check in on them. Dentistry allows me that network and the opportunity to, to be a professional in my community where I can talk to folks in my community to, to make sure that they're doing well. Um, it allows me to have that clinical skill set that I can uh, use my hands for good. And it also allows me to uh, have the financial security that I can take the time to be with my family um, and have that balance that, that I think is really, really important. Thank you for that. That was a great answer. So we did cover a lot today, but do you have any other closing advice that you want to give to dental students? My closing advice is that I hope each and every one of you are intentional about uh, pursuing your goals, whatever that might be. Um, And I hope that part of that intentionality includes serving in leadership. No matter where it is, you are the future of our profession. So your voice and your leadership is needed at all levels of organized dentistry. And we need your voice and we need your leadership. And I would love nothing less to have each and every one of you uh, rise up and help lead our profession into the future because we have so many challenges and uh, so many things that are changing in the dental landscape that we're going to need your passion. We're going to need your leadership to really guide us through this. So I hope uh, everyone stays involved, stays engaged, and is intentional about being the change that we need to see in our profession. Well, thank you so much. I know for me, this conversation was really motivational. So hopefully everyone listening has the same impression from it. But what is the best way for people to get in touch with you if they do have more questions? Should they reach out on Instagram or what's the best? Yes. So my uh, Instagram is uh, Lee, L-E-E, James, J-A-M-E-S-D-M-D. At, and um, if you ever have a question, they can also reach uh, me at LeeJamesDMD at gmail.com. Uh, I, I'm here for you guys and I, I want each and every one of you to have an amazing career. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, so that is the end of this week's episode with Dr. James Lee. Be sure to go check out his Instagram to see what he's up to with the ADA and if you have any questions for him. But next week, we're going to be talking about time management. That was one of your requested topics. So I will talk to you next Monday.